All right, there's notes for you in, in your bulletin. I hope you'll uh, maybe pull those out. Uh, we have quite a few things that are going to go on during this, this time together here. Uh, you know, our understanding of God affects every area of our life. So if you, if you have misconceptions about God and what he's really like, it tends to cause us difficulties. Like if you have a misconception about God, it might cause you to worry about things you shouldn't worry about or to feel guilty over things you shouldn't feel uh, guilty about, uh, to carry on uh, unnecessary burdens in your life uh, because of your, uh, the way of thinking about him. Uh, so one of the things that Jesus came to do on earth was to show us what God was really like. Uh, Jesus exploded all of these stereotypes that we see about God. He showed us that God is not just some kind of supernatural, impersonal force. He's not like an energy field or something in the universe. God is not like an angry tyrant who sits up in heaven waiting for you to make a mistake and to pop you with a ruler or something like that. God is not an apathetic creator who winds up the world like a clock and then just sits back and watches to see what's going to happen without any involvement. In fact, Jesus described God in two words. Uh, he was talking about prayer. So he's talking about how do, you, how do you talk to this God? How do you reference him? And Jesus said the way that we think about him is our father. Our father. Would you say that? Our father. And he said, he even asked, and he, our Father in heaven. Um, and that's not really a big deal today. Like we talk a lot about God, God being our Father, our Heavenly Father. But when Jesus was first talking about this, man, no, very few people called him Father. As a matter of fact, like in the Old Testament, God is referred to as Father like seven times. Well, Jesus, just in his, uh, the Gospels there, he refers to God as Father 220-something times. And then the disciples pick up on that, and they call him Father another 118 times. So just in those Gospels, you begin to see this total change of uh, relationship. And it's because Jesus wanted us to think about our relationship with God as an intimate relationship as something that we could, we could have a close uh, relationship uh, with him. Uh, you know, when, when you're worshiping God like that, it changes everything about your life. You, you recognize that you've been welcomed into this family. Uh, at, at, at my mom's house, my sister has some photos there. And in some of those photos, there's this first person that she married. And it did not go well. And he was, you know... I, I'm not judging him, but it was a bad situation. Well, I noticed in the photos that she cut him out. <laughs> I heard about these two chief of police officers that had an opportunity at a big event. To, they were friends, and so they had their picture taken with the president of the United States. And so the one guy, he was responsible for getting the photo. And so he got one, and one for himself and one for his friend. And then when he got ready to put it in a frame, he cut his friend out. He cut him out and it made it look like that he was standing there by himself with the, with the president of the United States. Well, a while later, he was visiting his friend and he went into his office there and he noticed that he had cut him out. Your heavenly Father will never cut you out. That, that's that close 
relationship that we have uh, with him. And so that's what Jesus came to do was to help us to understand uh, who Jesus is and to have this intimate, close uh, relationship with him. Now, not everybody gets that. Some people see God as uh, like unreasonable that, you know, and if you think about God as unreasonable, it's really hard to worship him, right? I mean, if you, if you feel like he's got all these rules and restrictions and he wants to remove all your fun, uh, so that you, you don't want to get to know a God like that. Sometimes people think about him that way. Sometimes people think about uh, God as unreliable. Um, that, that usually happens when you get hurt. It's an interesting characteristic of behavior, isn't it? That when things happen and we want to blame somebody, we might blame somebody else, but we certainly blame God. You know, why would, why would he allow that to happen? If that's the kind of God he is, uh, do I want to get to know him? Am I going to uh, trust him? You know, one of the things about that is that God loves you so much, he gave you the free will to choose. You know, he could have made us puppets. And we just have to do whatever he said, but he gives you the freedom to make a choice. And so you blame other people for what they do, but the problem is God gave them a choice to be that way. I mean, he could have taken away their choice. Maybe you think, well, that would have been good. Well, the problem is he'd have to take yours too. And so you'd have had no, no choice. Uh, he didn't cause those hurts. People did. And he allowed it because he's allowing us to have freedom to choose him and to choose our way. He wants you to choose what's good. Some people think about God as being like unconcerned, unconcerned. You know, they maybe believe there's a God, but God's too busy to be bothered with me. He's got big things to worry about. He can't be concerned about my job or my surgery or my career or my schooling or my boyfriend or whatever else. Th those things maybe seem petty to, to a God uh, that he's unconcerned. But we recognize that God is not somewhere way off. God is right here. He's interested in the intimate details of your life. Doesn't that change everything about how you feel about him? I mean, if, he, if he's unconcerned out there, he might be helping somebody else, but he's not helping me. But if you believe that he's close, that he's like your loving heavenly father, wow, that changes everything about our relationship. One more. Uh, sometimes people have a misconception that God is unpleasable. You think that he's kind of like maybe you had a parent that was... You know, if you made C's, they wanted B's, and if you made B's, they wanted A's, and if you made A's, they wanted A pluses. Uh, you know, it's almost like you can't, you can't do enough. Sometimes people, I think, feel like that God is like that. If you grew up with that kind of father, maybe, um, you know, but, you know, our, we love our parents, but our Heavenly Father is, is very different in his character. He's, uh, they were not perfect people. None of us are perfect parents or perfect, no perfect fathers in this room, right, today? We need God's help, but he is the perfect heavenly father. So what does the Bible say? The Bible encourages us a lot of things about God. As our heavenly father, God wants you to trust him. Uh, he wants you to trust God as this heavenly father in your life, uh, to trust God on a Father's Day, uh, to be mindful, that, uh, to pray for, Father, help me to see you as the father, the heavenly father I need in my life. So the premise of this service this morning is to remind you that your heavenly father is a God who wants to be close to you, a God who wants to be close to you. And when I am close to God, I'm changed. When I'm close to God, I am changed. What does all that mean? That means that he's available all the time. He's not somewhere afar off. Acts 17, 27 
says, God did this so that people would. God sent Jesus. God came to be among us. Why? God did this so people would reach out for him and find him. Since he is not far from each of us. So he's not distant. He's not a long way off. God wants you to find him. God wants you to have a relationship with him. God wants you to be in a close father uh, relationship uh, with him. Um, that, that tells you several things. First of all, it tells you that God is not too busy for me. God is not too busy for me. You know, sometimes we get busy and it feels like, do we have enough time to get everything accomplished? Do we have enough time for relationships? You might be too busy for your kids or you might be too busy for your parents, but God is not too busy for you. When you pray, God does not say, hold on just for a second. I got a little emergency going on over here. God never puts you on hold. God always is available. That's so enriching that we could have a loving relationship with him. He never turns away from us. He is with us every single day. I also notice, you can see in Psalm 145, 18, the Lord is near to all who call upon him. So, I mean, you, you worship this morning. God's presence is in this room. We prayed together. Barry really prayed us well. Uh, you're praying and seeking God. If you're reaching out to God this morning, he is near. He is in. I don't know what you need. You know, you look good, you're dressed up, you look nice and all that today. But I, I know there's a bunch of people in this room that have needs today. God can, God can heal you. God can help you. You can walk out of this room today knowing that God can bring about change for you because he's not too busy to listen to what's going on in your heart. Second thing I noticed was that he loves to meet my needs. He loves to meet my needs. He's a close father, so he has an awareness of what's going on around us. This verse from Matthew 7, 11. If you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God says, if you're an imperfect parent and you love to help and to give good gifts to your children, what do you think a perfect parent like our God, like our Heavenly Father wants to do? He's uh, you know, I'm, I'm selfish sometimes. I try not to be, you know, I don't want to be, but it just comes out, you know. That's true. Y'all look at me like I'm the only one. Okay, I, I see how it is, all right. No, we're selfish, aren't we? Um, we respond selfishly. You know, we even, you know, I don't know about you, but I just catch myself thinking about it or thinking about things, and I know I'm thinking about it the wrong way, and I gotta, you know, I gotta straighten that out, or I gotta apologize, or I gotta do something, um, because I'm, I get self-centered. We all do. Uh, it's a part of kind of who we are. But still, as a parent, though, even though I can kind of be self-centered sometimes, I still want things good for my kids. I love them, and I want, I want them to do well, and I want them to be successful, and I want to give uh, good gifts to them. I love to, to meet their needs. I'm, I'm happy about it being Father's Day today, and we won't be together today, but I'll have a chance to talk to them and FaceTime with my grandbaby and all that stuff, you know. Uh, we love all that because I love them, and I want, uh, I want to give to them. I love to meet their needs. And if me and you, with all kinds of mixed emotions, if we love to do that, uh, with our imperfect ways and our imperfect children, how much more does God want to meet your needs and to make a difference and to bring about change and transformation in our lives to help us? He's a perfect father, and he's just waiting 
to meet your needs. It's not too busy. He wants to meet your needs. Third, he is uh, sympathetic to our hurts. He's sympathetic to our hurts. So he's not too busy. He meets our needs and he cares about our hurts. I mean, when we come to God in pain, God doesn't say, come on. How many times? No, we don't ever get that. You know, he doesn't say, get you a Band-Aid. Come on. Oh, no. Look at that verse. The verse says, the Lord is close. Let's read that. So you can say that with your own words. Ready? The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Wow, man. That is so powerful. He, he's your heavenly father. He wants you to be close. He wants to be involved in the daily activities. Because he, I'm in a, a room this full. You know there are some people that are crushed in spirit in this room right now. And he is so willing. Uh, he loves uh, to meet your needs. He never forgets you. He's always paying attention to you. You know, the, the interesting little part of Jesus' conversation about this is that he uses the Aramaic word, Abba. It's like, it's like daddy. I hate to keep mentioning my grandchild, but, um, you know, we were there the other day and she so clearly said, dada. Uh, I mean, everybody's like shocked. We just stood there uh, and he heard it. Oh, and then my brother, my son-in-law, he heard that. Man, that was the conversation the rest of the next two days, you know, working on trying to get her to say that again, man. Uh, that, that's the word, though. That's the Abba word, is that he, he's, he's close. He's not just heavenly father. You know, he's, he's daddy, my heavenly daddy, uh, my papa, mama, dada, whatever. Abba uh, is a term of endearment. It's a term of closeness. It's a family word. Um, so God says when you come to him, yeah, he, he's daddy, he's papa, he's Abba. Um, you know, I, I don't know how you feel about God. I love that. You heard, I heard Barry, it sounded like Cheryl uh, praying. Uh, good morning. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Daddy. Um, that's what he desires for us. Because when I get close to God, things happen. Things change. Uh, just a few other words. You can see these scriptures on the back. Uh, just to give you a chance to think about some of these ideas. Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verse 20. I'm just going to read these for you. Uh, God is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or dream of, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, and hopes. God changes us. When we are close to him, things change. Uh, do not be conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. And finally, Ephesians 4. Throw off the old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So today, we wanted you to think about um, the impact of man church. Uh, man church for us is not just a service that we have once a month on uh, Monday night. You know, man church is our term for everything that we are trying to do in relationship to men uh, in our church. Uh, so we wanted you today to think about how some of those men 
have been transformed and how God has worked in their life through man church, uh, through Bible studies, through just having men friends. It's one of our common themes. Uh, do, do you have any men friends? You know, I meet with about 25 or 30 guys every Tuesday. Man, they're, they're my guys. Uh, I love those guys. Um, and we become incredible friends. Uh, we have about 130, 140 guys that show up. Uh, they're always different. Uh, some of them come here. Some of them just come from the community because they need guys. Um, we, we work on that all the time. Uh, we probably have, um, well, this box says it. Uh, these boxes, this one has my name, and then it says uh, my desire. Uh, this, is, uh, this was the before, and then man church. And then now we are discipling over 200 men uh, through man church. That is, that is a blessing. So I uh, have some of my friends uh, that are going to help me today. I'm so excited today is Father's Day, but I know that some of you may not be, right? Some of you may have bad relationships with your fathers, uncles, brothers, whatever man might be in your life. But I promise you here today, you're loved. You're cared for. You're appreciated. Man, church loves you. Even if you've only been once, if you've been to all 20 of them, we love you. And we're here for you, and we're praying for you. Um, I'm excited to see you here. You guys are all amazing. And I want to talk a little bit about man, church before I get into my testimony. Uh, Man Church started all because of God's call on me. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit in my testimony. But um, a lot of it boils down to it's a place where guys can learn the way Jesus taught. So I don't know about you guys, but like, I'm not really great at taking notes. I struggled through college. I was happy. Like, I, I muttered the phrase, C's get degrees, right? That was my goal all through college was just to get a C. And so uh, when I started reading the Bible in some time, I noticed that, that Jesus taught in little snippets, right? Little short stories that guys were like, yeah. I can do that, right? They weren't working around or walking around with, with paper and pen jotting down everything that Jesus said. They remembered it. They experienced it. They lived it. It's a place for men to connect, right? You saw one of the testimonies on there. That, that person was a lone wolf, and now he's got a great wolf pack to be with him. I'm so excited because I don't have very many friends, right? When you're a guy, you're kind of like, oh, I got everything to do. I got all these other things. And uh, it's a chance for us to be friends, it's a chance for us to unravel all the intricacies and experience God the way he wanted us to experience with nobody looking around with, oh my gosh, he's raising his hands, or you can't raise your hand, or he's singing off key, or oh, no. everybody sings off key in man church except for the man band. Everybody. <laughs> I promise you. It's a place for men to grow. There's, there's two verses that really, and they're not going to be up on the screen because I love to tell stories, right? There's two verses that drive man church. James 1, 23 through 25, it says, For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free and do what it says, and don't forget what you heard then God will bless you for doing it. And then the second part, that uh, we haven't done this on Tuesday morning yet, so I'm skipping way ahead because I had to read all of 1 John. When I started reading 1 John, I had to read the whole book. So uh, right at the very end, John, is he's given an eyewitness testimony, right? For those of you that haven't read 1 John, he said, hey, this is what happened. I was there. I experienced it. And some of his parting words at the very end, 1 John 5, 
13 through 15. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also will know that he'll give us what we ask for. My testimony. I was raised by my grandparents, for those of you that don't know. It's not that my dad gave me up, right? You saw one of those testimonies. My dad did the best that he could. Um, I was, was born out of wedlock, wasn't even exactly supposed to be born. Um, my dad didn't really know what to do, so he left me with my grandparents. And my grandparents raised my younger brother and sister, raised all three of us after they raised their five kids. I grew up as a guy going through church who wanted to be an amazing Christian on Sunday, but five minutes after church was out, I'm back to doing my thing. Right all through high school, all through college, as soon as I could, I was ready to do things. I entered college, and I just continued to destroy people all around me. If I met you, I was going to use you, get what I wanted, and then throw you away. That was my modus operandi, if you will. Towards the end of college, I met my beautiful, amazing, perfect, just the best woman in the whole wide world. Sorry, guys. I married the perfect wife. You can say whatever you want. And you know what? I destroyed her life. I destroyed her life. I did everything I could to destroy her because I still wasn't where I needed to be. We, as we got married, we jumped from church to church looking for an experience because I knew... Man, if I could just get a great sermon, Jesus is going to save me. Well, the worship in that church wasn't all that great, so I need to go to a different church because they have better lights and better sound and better singers and their guitar player can do riffs like nobody else. Uh, I need to go to that church because I need an experience to find Jesus. <laughs> I was wrong. Then uh, April 2011 came around. If you've, if you've heard me or you've been around me for more than five minutes, I've told this story to you. I'm sitting in Applebee's, and I meet, uh, they have this thing, right? This was before, I guess, they did something different. However, they would give you uh, celebrity names, right? Because they couldn't pronounce your name. So they would give you celebrity names and say, you know, uh, Sylvester Stallone, your table is ready. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm sitting beside this, uh, this older guy. Um, and he looks at me, he goes, who'd you get? And I, I show you his name, and, he, and we just kind of chit-chatted for uh, maybe 30 seconds. And he looks at me, he goes, did you go to church today? <laughs> I looked at him, and I go, who do you think you are? You know, I'm looking at houses. It's really important I buy a house. You don't understand. John Sherwood looks at me again and goes, why didn't you go to church? And uh, I'm thinking in the back of my head, who in the world do you think you are? Telling me what I need to do. I was offended. I was hurt. I was bothered. But you know what? It was exactly what I needed to hear that day. God made sure of that. I came, I came to his church. I told him, he said, he told me, I'll buy you lunch. I said, well, I'm going to get this guy for a free meal because he said he'd take me out to eat anywhere I wanted to go. He said, well, I'm going to make sure I burn up John Sherwood's credit card. I'm going to order the most expensive thing I can. Jenny's going to eat whatever she wants. We're going to live life luxuriously. We're never going to come back. That was seven years ago. And now I'm on stage. So here we are at PFN. We, uh, we're tithing. We're excited. We're attending regularly. We're sitting in the pews. We're checking the boxes. We're good. Jesus, we're good. I got your back. We're done. We don't, we don't need to do anything else. 
Uh, I didn't understand at the time that God had something different in plan. See, God started chasing after me. Jesus started chasing after me everywhere I went. So uh, I come up with all these. Uh, I'm an excuse maker, right? Before, before I got my life together, I was an excuse maker. So um, the next thing in our life, because now I'm married, I have a job, I have a wife, you know, everything's fantastic. It's time to have kids, right? Uh-uh. No, 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 no. I came up with every excuse that I could think of in the book. I, I remember telling Jenny, uh, hopefully I don't make her face too right over there. She's kind of already smirking at me. Uh, I told Jenny, I said, well, we can't have a kid until we pay off our car. She makes sure we pay off the car. Check. Well, Jenny, we can't have kids until we buy a house. We just did. Well, Jenny, you don't understand. I can't, I can't have kids until I know that I'm the best salesman in my job. Wouldn't you know in 2012, I win salesman of the year for my company. So I decided that God was going to make this checklist happen, so I thought I was going to be, uh, I was going to be a little bit uh, courageous here. And I told her, I remember I said, well, I want to be able to stand on one foot, chew bubble gum, and whistle thunderstruck. I came up with everything, I, every excuse that I could think of, and God wasn't going to have it. Uh, side note, I can't do that. So. so I've been in church for a while, and I didn't like kids, didn't want to have kids, right? And then... This person invites me over to their house, and this is why I will never go over to Pastor Greta's house again, <laughs> ever, because she invites me over. I think I'm going there for Super Bowl Sunday, right? I'm so excited. I'm going to eat a lot of food. Again, I'm going to take advantage of these people. It's going to be great. It's who I am, and I get there, and I eat all this food, and she goes, so it's time for you to teach fifth and sixth grade Sunday school. I said, do you know who you're talking to? I just joined the church. I don't know what I'm doing. Coincidentally. I still don't know what I'm doing because I just got back from a Think Big trip with 17 fifth and sixth graders who hadn't showered all weekend. <laughs> still not learning my lesson, apparently. So the exciting thing is God blesses that. And you know that when we started, we had 10, right? 10 fifth and sixth graders. Do you know now that between fifth and sixth grade, we have over 40 kids? 40 kids. My marriage gets better, my life gets better, my job gets better, all because I decide to choose to follow God's plan. Now, I hit some bumps along those way. And you know what the best part is? I learned that their experiences, because those bumps, guess who caught me? PFN. Not the leadership, not everybody else, you guys sitting in the pews. You caught me when I hit my bumps. If you're noticing the theme... I'm good, right? I feel really good. I'm where I need to be. I'm comfortable. God's got other plans. Yet again, he calls me to minister to men. And I remember this exact conversation. I said, God, are you crazy? I went to school to be a manufacturing engineer, not a pastor. I had one religion class, introductory to Christianity. That's it. I don't have any training. And frankly, I didn't really want to. I was happy in Kid Zone. We had a good thing going. But then God puts this, this idea in my head that I can't get out. Do you remember? He tells me, do you remember what it was like and the way you treated other people and how you felt? The way other men treated other men the way that men treated their families. Are you okay with what you saw and experienced? 
See, because I had various addictions that only tore others around me down. I couldn't escape my past. I believed that I knew everything. Aside what, I don't, right? Because if I did, I would be on Jeopardy. (laughs) And I didn't have margin in my life. That I thought I could go from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing. And that I was okay. I got this figured out. So after praying, saying no, many more conversations, saying no again, going to Bible studies, and then saying no again, reflecting, praying, and then saying no again, finally God just silenced me and said, it's time for you to be quiet. It's time for you to listen to what I have to say. You be quiet. I finally agreed with God. But then, I had to agree with Pastor Brock. Now, he seems like he's this nice guy, always loving. Uh Uh-uh. Now, when he wants something, he's not. He'll chase you down. Only other one person chased you down more than he was. That's Jesus. But because of your blessing, because of your support, because of this church, Man Church was born. As I finish up here, I want to share, you, share with you some things that we do in Man Church. This is, again, because of your support, your prayers. God brought us men who choose Man Church over binge drinking. A guy walked in, grabbed me, and said, hey, I want to let you know that the only reason I came here is because I didn't want to see the bottom of a bottle of whiskey. God brings us men fresh out of prison. God brings us men with addictions. God brings us men who don't believe in themselves. They've been beat up so bad. God brings us men who walk with Jesus for years and admit that they need him more. God brought me to man church. God's not done with me. He's not done with you, wherever you are, how great you think things are done. God's not done with you. He's not done with the guys that you saw up here. Some of those guys are stalwarts in our church, pillars of faith. And they know that they're not done yet. So as we, as we get ready to sing this last song, there's a, a verse and it says that um, it's towards the very end. I love it. It says, we're going to sing, he leaves the 99 to chase you down. So as you sit here, as we get ready to sing the song, would you think about that? Would you think about just like I got chased down, let yourself be chased down.